My next guest on Emirates World was called the patron saint of poetry by no less a person than Carol Ann Duffy. He shot to fame as a member of the 1960s group The Scaffold, who had a number one hit in the UK with this particular ditty. Hard to believe, but Roger McGough recently turned 80, November 2017. Ah, oh, oh, that's a secret. That was a secret. No, you spoiled it. <laughs> Sorry, nobody's listening. <laughs> and to celebrate, he's gathered 80 of his favourite poems together in a handy little book entitled, unsurprisingly, 80. Roger, welcome to Dubai, welcome to Emirates World, and welcome to the Emirates Festival of Literature. You're quite a regular now these days, aren't I'm you? I'm something of a regular, yes. I'm lucky enough to be invited, and it's my, I think it's my fourth visit. Um, so it's, it's great. Yes, wonderful to be back, I must say. What is it about the attraction of a business class flight to Dubai in the middle of March? <laughs> what attracted you to this uh, millionaire? Yes. Um, we just all sorts of, for many reasons. I mean, as you say, the chance of getting out of uh, London, a cold, you know, snowy London in, in March is a wonderful invitation. But knowing you're going to be beautifully looked after, well looked after by Isabel and the staff here, and the chance to meet other writers, really, it says, because, as you know, uh, it's quite a solitary business, really, the writing side of things. Um, and even though I do performance and move around and occasionally with, with a band, Little Machine, who I'm working with here, um, it tends to be solitary. And so it's just nice to have a chance to relax, do your show, meet other writers and go and see what they're up to. Now, you're at an age when steady, most people... Steady, steady, steady. <laughs> Let me start that again. You're at an age... <laughs> I'm going to get this question out if it kills me. You're at an age when most people would probably be tending their allotment or taking the dog for a walk. And yet here you are, you're here, you're performing. And I must say, I, was, I saw you last night in concert, really impressed. You're sprightly, you're on the ball. You're like a... A man of 18, not 18. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I, sp well, look, I suppose it's, it's the luck. I don't know why. Um, I'm, I'm married to Hillary, who, who sort of is very feeds me well and makes sure I don't overdo things. And, uh, you know, I've, I've slowed down in, in many ways. Um, but I think it's the, the flame of the, of the poems and, and each day having something to keep me occupied. You know, I, 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 writing is just part of my psyche now and I need to write something every day I don't always achieve a poem or, or whatever um, but there's always something to go back to and the older you get of course the more poems you've written the more you can revisit them and get an idea from one you don't necessarily rewrite them Steve but you can go back to them and ah maybe if I went this way with that poem something else might happen and it's that uh, the joy of not knowing what's going to happen at the end of it really I'd love it and I'm sure our audience on this Emirates flight would absolutely adore to hear one of your poems. So please, would you oblige? Very kind. This is a poem that um, it begins this new anthology of poems that's been written especially for the literature. It's uh, called For the Love of Words. And there are 84 poems from the people taking part in the festival. And this is mine. I was asked to write, you know, what, what inspires you to write poems? What we've been talking about. This is called An Apology comes perhaps from standing next to Philip Larkin at a bus stop, from waving, not drowning, and seldom being too far out, 
from sighting a mermaid behind the fish counter at Waitrose, from being twenty, running all the words together and thinking, there must be more to it than this, from a proneness to ritual and sharpened pencils, from succumbing to the joys of self-plagiarism, from the need to craft a melodrama out of the remembered tediousness of one's life, from realising that I may not, after all, be its patron saint, from expecting to be corrected while telling the truth, from taking the words right out of the mouths of others, from feeling relaxed about being overtaken and disarmingly modest when overrated, from trying to prove that if not for everyone, it is for anyone, from loving the trance that I'm in, from stepping out of the trance able to say, hey, look what I've made, if you want it, it's yours, from falling for clouds, from finishing your sentences, from hoping that the next one, not this obviously, will surprise, immortalise and pedestalise, from wanting to write one that is too sad to read, from a failure to calm the brain's jostling beehive, from loitering pen in hand on the escalier, from the stealth required to follow the mind that wanders, from holding fast the instant before thought becomes language, from the joy of making lists, from being rubbish at suicide, from wherever it comes and for every reason, I apologise for writing so many poems. <laughs> Do you know how many poems you have written over the years? Golly, no. Um, no, I don't know. No, many, many, many. Um, I've had 100 and, 105 books published. 105? Yeah. 105. I thought you were going to say 105 poems. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 105 no, no. Gosh. And where do you keep them all? Are they all stored on a hard drive on a computer? No, they, golly, no, because no, they were. It was, it was papyrus when I first started out, and uh, or stone, you know, tablet, a stone tablet, chalk. Then I went on to paper and pen, and then. But I always, I always go, always start with a with a pen in hand and and, and the book, as as many people do. That's that starts the poem going, and then um, I always carry the book around with me and a bit of paper and stuff, and a pen. I start the scribble. At some point, you go onto the computer, but by then. It almost looks too finished. You know, it looks like it's been published already, and you, you're a bit like uh, careful about interfering with it. How long does it actually take you to write a poem? I know you're going to say it depends on the length, but does it go through countless iterations? Yes, it does. I mean, a poem like the Apology that took quite a while because it's, a lot of thought goes into it. And it's quite a, for me, quite a longer poem rather. Sometimes it's short. I get an idea. I was thinking about the environment and about recycling, and I was talking to the audience saying. You know, is, is recycling important? Very important here in Dubai, isn't it? And uh, so I wrote a poem called Recycling. Because I care about the environment and try to do what is right. So I cycle to work every morning and recycle home every night. Obviously, that's, 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 that's lovely. That didn't take, what you got the idea for it? In a sense, you just sit down and sort of, sort of do it. Um, that that one brought the house down. That was lovely. I think, yeah. So you're on the road at the moment. I, I see you've got some dates lined up. What is your performance like at the moment? What, what format does it? Yeah, take? Well, it does vary. I mean, the pump, the format. When I'm on my own, I would just go in. And the thing about writing is, I'm performing. I think I'd stop performing if I didn't have new poems to read out and to see how they go. You know, it's, it makes me write new poems and try them out with an audience. For me, it's uh, exciting. So sometimes just the poems, if I'm working with Little Machine, who are wonderful, then they do set poems, classics, like uh, The I Live In Is Free, We'll Go In More Roving, and they sing them and they present them and, and they have the lyrics on the screen. 
really good way of present, presenting poetry. And I do things with them. That's great. Last year, very different. I went on tour with the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra and the Bootleg Beatles. And it was a show to celebrate Sgt. Pepper. You know, the album, the Beatles album came out uh, 50 years ago, came out in 1967. So I was part of a show that began at the Albert Hall and ended at the Liverpool Arena. And the Liverpool Arena was 8,000 people and, you know, uh, Albert Hall 5,000. So that's pretty scary to go on at the beginning of a, a show like that to introduce it. I was the host and reading the odd poem in between. But uh, that's fairly scary. And of course, you're not in charge of it, even though you're writing some of the poems. But mainly, I'm more at home with an audience who come along for the poems. Yeah. You prefer the small, intimate audience rather than the big one? Yes, for that sort of big one. I mean, I can make, I hope to make a large audience feel that they are in an intimate space. You mentioned the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper. And of course, you grew up in Liverpool. What was it like in the, the 1960s when the Beatles were at the height of their fame and there were new groups coming along every day and there you were with your mates, uh, top of the number one in the charts? Oh, we yes, top of the pops, yes. Well, what was interesting, because I was born, you know, before then, when in the 60s, I was in my 20s. And so my, my childhood in Liverpool was rather bleak, you know, very loving family. My father worked on the docks. He was a docker. Liverpool worked very hard. Died young as, as a result of that, uh, in his 50s. My mother worked hard to keep us going. They saw the value in education. I went off and lucky enough to go to grammar school, university, came back and started teaching. And as I say, there was nothing much happening. It was rather bleak and growing up in England in, in the late 50s. And then the 60s happened and young men could go to university. Uh, there was no uh, national service. So normally I might have gone in become a, a gone into my two years as a soldier or somewhere uh, but I didn't I missed that went to university instead the art colleges and this produced a whole you know generation of people who wanted to do things and had ideas and uh, look at jobs that weren't available when I was young you know my dad as I was a docker and he said he didn't want me to go on the docks and do hard work he sensed I couldn't lift a crate or swing a docker's hook but he said you know maybe you can go work in an office that would be the you know, or be a teacher, perhaps, that would be great, or a priest. They were the only options in the sense of going into something that was creative. Never occurred to them, and they wouldn't have known how to deal with it. And I say, my dad died before I had a book published or did anything. My mum was still alive, and she saw me doing Top of the Pops at the Scaffold and had my first books published in the 60s. And it was an exciting time, as you say, and suddenly everybody seemed to have a guitar in the hands. and the, It was like La La Land, in a way, you know, the... Um, Colour, except being Liverpool, of course, it was a, uh, you're right, la, yes, la, I'm great, la, 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 um, That was the 60s, it was quite exciting. Followed very quickly by the by the 70s and everything seemed to have gone away. Please don't forget, during that time of the Beatles and the generation of wonderful things happening, the docks were closing down, pits were closing down in other parts of the country, mines were closing down, you know, darkness was descending and it was almost like a, a party blinded what was going on in the background so when the party moved away i.e. hippiedom, flower power and all that stuff uh, what was left was sort of a, an readjustment really Do we have time for another poem Roger? Okay I'll, I'll have to take a, a deep breath for this one um, I was asked a while ago to write some poems for a Channel 4 television programme they were doing about the periodic table the elements and I was asked to write poems describing the elements. So I thought, no, I can't describe them, but I'll be them. So I wrote a poem being nitrogen. 
being gold, and this one is oxygen. I am the very air you breathe, your first and last breath. I welcomed you at birth, shall bid farewell at death. I am the kiss of life, its ebb and flow. With your last gasp, you will call my name. Oh. Thank you for that, Roger. Very thought-provoking. What does the future hold for Roger McGough? Are you still actively writing, performing? Do you intend to do so over the next do decade? I do? Yes, I do. I do whatever. Um, yes. And one of the things happens, people don't tell you about this when you're young. When you're getting older and you get more well-known, that's when you start to get invited to lots of places all over the world. And you really can't be bothered going half the time. I mean, obviously, Dubai is an exception. Um, but it doesn't come. Why didn't it come when I was in my 30s and wanted to go somewhere and had no money? Why didn't people invite me to Los Angeles and, you know, and, and Dubai then? <laughs> so I would spend my time being very nice to people saying, I'd love to come, but I can't come. And, you know, going places. And, and of course, my kids are now doing their own things. We've got four kids. They're all busy, luckily, doing things. And so my wife, I drag her around with me. And uh, it's great fun. And I'm lucky to be doing what I do. Thank you very much. It's been brilliant talking to you, Roger. Thank you very much for joining us today on this Emirates flight. And uh, just before we leave, mm. one last poem, Roger. OK, yes. Well, I thought I'd do something uh, very, very serious. And I thought, mm, maybe I'd do a kid's poem, little kiddie's poem. And this one I, I do to the kid's audience. And I say, I shouldn't really do this because it's a bit rude. Should I do it? Because the teachers may be very annoyed. They're, yeah, do it, do it, do it. It's called Kiwis. To amuse emus on warm summer nights, Kiwis do wee-wees from spectacular heights. <laughs>